the military was the best thing for me, um, but also it it made me continue to become pretentious and arrogant and cocky and self-centered. Uh, and I got in trouble a few times because of my, now what I know is my personality disorder. I was yeah. abused, misusing people. I was verbally, verbally abusive, which most narcissists are covert, malignant, overt, uh, antagonistical, communal, vulnerable, vulnerable. I don't know about vulnerable people, but I was very ver- verbally abusive uh, to get people to do what I want, to scare people, to intimidate people. And yeah, and it, it was. I know you're enjoying the episode, but I want to say that maybe you've been listening to the episode and you're thinking, I would like to work on my confidence or I'm not happy where things are at in my life and I could benefit from talking to a professional. If that's you, visit my website or click the link below, schedule your consultation, and let's see if we're a good fit to work with each other. All right, now let's get back to the episode. All right, so we are back for another episode of the Peace and Prosperity Podcast. I got one of my good brothers, Leon Walker, on here. Now, if you've been following the podcast for a while, Leon was on here maybe about a year ago. And just, man, that episode was phenomenal. A lot of great feedback. And this time we're going to go deeper. So we got part two. But Leon, let everybody know who you are. All right. Leon Walker Jr. from Cleveland, Ohio. I served 32 years in the Navy. I was diagnosed way back in the 80s when I was younger in my 20s. And this narcissistic thing started like blowing up a few years ago. I served on five ships. I have 15 years out at sea. I was married for 12 years. I've been divorced for almost 15 years now. Mm. I have three kids, uh, two sons and a daughter, and I have a granddaughter now that was born in August. Living in Chicago now, I enjoy great food, comedy. I enjoy now really helping people because for so long I hurt a lot of people. And so what people don't understand, narcissistic people don't just hurt women, right? We hurt mm-hmm. everybody, our kids, our, our family members, our coworkers. And it's a mindset that just, uh, I went for a long time not knowing what, what I was doing, why I was doing what I was doing, but I knew there was something wrong with me. Always know that there was something wrong with me. And so, you know, here we are um, helping people and trying to give back. Yeah. So, Leon, what made you turn the corner and say, I want to start giving back and helping people? So what happened, Jason, is that I never volunteered to go through therapy because I never thought there was anything wrong with me. I'm not going to tell people, look, I got this issue. (laughs) (laughs) And so people always say, well, nurses, people are not going to just, they don't just go to therapy. They're right. And so I started therapy the first time in 1987 when I got diagnosed, right? But it was because of another event that happened in the Navy. Um, Mm. And then I went 27 years with undiagnosed PTSD, but I had it. But they diagnosed my narcissism, my personality disorder, but they didn't diagnose me with PTSD, but they should have. So I wasn't medicated for PTSD for 27 years. And there's no medicine for narcissism that's talk therapy. So I didn't even have that. So I'm in the Navy, right? A predominantly white organization, uh, the military, going Mm -hmm. to war, deploying, coming back in relationships, breaking up with women, yelling and screaming at people, smoking cigarettes, drinking alcohol, watching porn. For like 30 years and like, wow, I'm thinking like, this is, that was my norm. That was how you coped. Yeah, that's how I <laughs> coped. So women were like, women, they knew something was wrong with me. So anyway, and in 2014, I saw my first psychotherapist. I didn't even know what a psychotherapist was. Mm-hmm. And Jason, I don't even remember why I went to the hospital to see a psychotherapist. I have no idea. 
I was reading my medical records last year, and I'm like, what the hell? Before I started, like, after I started posting these videos, I said, let me find out what else was going on with me. And so mm -hmm. I started reading these medical records. I'm like, I didn't like what I read. So obviously I went there and I walked out of her office because she documented, you know, y'all document everything. Yeah. And so <laughs> yes, we do. this is in August of 2014. And then I went back. I don't know why I went back in December, 2014. And I read my medical records. She's like, he just, he doesn't take therapy seriously. He comes in here smelling like cigarettes. He comes mm. in here with a bad attitude. He's grumpy. I was, and I'm reading this and I'm like, who is this dude? So I can imagine <laughs> What my ex-girlfriend, what my ex-wife thought, and my kids, yeah, and my co-workers, because I didn't know that I was this dude, but I knew something was wrong, but I don't remember saying certain things to people. I don't remember gaslighting, ghosting women, the silent chief, all these terms. I was doing it, Jason, yeah. that was my norm. Man. Yeah, you and you've been in, you served how many years in the Navy? I served 32 years. And Jason, for my, my whole career, I, I joined at 17, so I, I knew I had these traits at 17, but I just didn't know what they were. And then I joined the military. Uh, I go to boot camp, and then I go to my first ship in 1984, and we go, we deploy. We go to Panama. We go to Australia, Singapore, Thailand, and I'm this outlandish, extremely social, outgoing, competitive, over-top, overbearing dude mm -hmm. with all these dysfunctional issues from my childhood, being molested and raped and all this stuff, and I'm in the military with all these women and all this alcohol, all this smoking. And, and it was just, I had to adjust to, that was my coping mechanism. So anyway, to answer your question, I, January 2015, I had to go back to the hospital to start mm -hmm. my retirement physical. And so I saw the ear, nose, and throat people. I saw the dentist, I saw the neurologist. And my last stop was another psychiatrist. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> all right, so what are we going to do here? We're going to stay. I'm thinking to myself, dude, you're going to stay in this? It's going to be therapy. So she told me, you, she said, Mr. Walker, you need inpatient long-term care. And I'm like, what? For what? Mm. I'm like, I started 32 years. I'm trying to retire. And now you want to put me into. And so she said, you have to do this so we can determine other things that's going on with you. So that's why I stayed because she said, because Jason, there was a connection between my personality disorder, my disabilities. You don't get nothing. You don't get any type of compensation for narcissism, but you get compensation for anxiety, depression, PTSD. So they identified all of those things. And she said, what happened? She said, what happened with your PTSD from 1987? You were never medicated for that. I'm like, nah. And she said, I don't know how you survived with narcissism, PTSD, anxiety, and depression. I don't know wow. how you survived, Mr. Walker. And I was like, but I started thinking my mother was mentally strong, but at the time mentally weak. And at mm -hmm. the same time, very addictive to certain things. My mother had a very addictive personality. So therapy is what helped me understand who I was and what I got from my mother and my father. So to answer your question, that's what started me to turn around, which was January 2015. But had I not sat with her, you wouldn't be talking yeah. to me today. Wow. And yeah. And you now, I mean, you present you. I mean, I see you interact with your your community. Mm -hmm. You know, we've had a lot of interactions and, and very humble, very uh, outgoing, wanted to help people. And in the military, doing 34 years, I'm sure you were in charge of a lot of people. A whole, so it starts, <laughs> it started, my leadership role started in 1980. So I joined in 83. I went to boot camp in 83. I went to my first ship in 84. So around 1985, 86, because they put you in leadership roles at 19, 20 years old. It don't matter your age. Right. And so, yeah, I started leading people at 19, 20. And the more I got um, promoted, 
the more people you get, the more responsibility you get, the more pay you get, the more arrogant you become, the yeah. more conceited you become, the more self-centered you become, because now you got people kissing your butt. You got mm-hmm. 10 people kissing your butt, then you get promoted. Now you got 100 people kissing your butt. Now you got 1,500, you know, and so it, the military was the best thing for me, um, but also it it made me continue to become pretentious and arrogant and cocky and self-centered. Uh, and I got in trouble a few times because of my, now what I know is my personality disorder. I was yeah. used, misusing people. I was verbally, verbally abusive, which most narcissists are covert, malignant, overt, uh, antagonistical, communal, vulnerable, vulnerable. I don't know about vulnerable people, but I was very ver- verbally abusive to get people to do what I want, to scare people, to intimidate people. And yeah, and it, it was, yeah. And Leon, you done, I know you've done a lot of work on yourself. Mm-hmm. That I know. And it, people, make sure if y'all don't listen, go, if you haven't already, go back and listen to the first episode where Leon really shared his story. But we're going to get into some ways that Leon can give some information to help you. So, you know, because people want to know. And yeah. then make sure y'all st- stay to the end because Leon has some really dope giveaways that he's doing. So make sure y'all stay to the end for that. So Leon, I want to know this. For people who out there are working on themselves, they they want to heal, they want to grow, and but they get into these relationships with people who are abusing them mentally, emotionally, verbally. What are the signs that people should look for? So the signs that people should look for Let's say me, right? I never talked about my mother. They say narcissism comes from the mother. They say, I don't want to put that on women, but that's what they say. I never, one one sign was I was hiding one of my parents. I always talk about my dad. But never your mom. Nope. But what I found on the therapy, my dad had some problems and issues too that I had. My mother did a lot more than I gave her credit for, a whole lot more. Mm. Um. So narcissistic people will hide a parent. They can be very aggressive. They are, they're all, the conversation stems around, excuse me, sex and not growth and maturity and the future, right? They'll lie a lot. They'll get caught up in their words. And when you catch them, they become pissed off. Um, Narcissistic people hate to be called out, hate to be caught. The lack of eye contact, they don't keep their word, um, false promises. The energy level starts to dip when they start to pull away. So in the beginning, that's the love bomb. It's like, all these wonderful things, all these yeah. plans, this eye contact. And Leon, you were holding my hand three months ago. Now it's nothing. You were cuddling <laughs> two months ago. Now you don't even cuddle. So the importance of the people that we meet, the importance goes away after a while. So you how would- the level of energy when it comes to the beginning, the middle and the end, because it's going to end. So how would you navigate those conversations because i'm sure you were dating women and even when you got married they asked like okay tell me about your parents or tell me about your your mom how would you avoid that well i didn't avoid it what i did was in a roundabout way mm-hmm. talk about it but then come back so they can see me for who i am mm. the hell with my mother being <laughs> a crackhead and the hell with my dad being an alcoholic and i might have those traits too now we're going to talk about my military career and so women are not just men, women, but men, friends, people like, oh, wow, tell me something about the military career. So I always had to quickly go to, you know, I've been overseas. I've been around the world. I served in the military. I'm doing this. I was a drill sergeant. I was a recruiter. You know, I've done all these things. So now they're like enamored with my my background instead of worried about 
me having a addictive personality from my mother. So I was like, we ain't going now. I didn't mm. have to say that. We, no, I'm not going to talk about my mother. I don't want to talk about my... I didn't have to do that. I had to say, well, yeah, my mom, you know, we got along, but... And then I had to shift to my that grandiose type of mindset, like, look, look at what I'm doing, look at what I've done. This is who I am, you know? And so, yeah, yeah I had to shift it quick. But most times the women hear that, you know, I, they got a man in front of them, they like him, he's nice looking, whatever they say about me. He's got a career. He's got a job. He's got his own benefits. He's got a great credit score. Now they forgot about the stuff that I could be damaged from. Right. Because you know? you're hitting um, it with all the things that are great. I mean, great traits. You know, you got steady income, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. stellar career. Right. Great yeah. career. Yeah. So all of those people and, and women are like, OK, cool. You are uh, you're secure. Yeah. You you're established. That's the word I'm looking for. You're established. You're established. Right. And so once I convey that to them or once they see it within themselves, because women pick up on certain things and they digest certain things and they put certain things to the side. So overall, and I called it the irresistible minimum. I had a job, I had my own benefits, my own house, my own car, a good credit score, decent looking guy, great conversation. Nobody's going to turn that down. They're not. Right. Just, and that's being cocky and arrogant. But that was my mindset. Like, And so with that mindset, you really think. I'm going to put a lot of effort into this relationship. I'm not mm. because she is not going to be the only one. So I got to give her a few weeks of my time and show up on time, show up early, keep my word. And then I'm going to start to tailor off. And then yeah. I'm going to get used to her because, yeah, because I had a bad habit of losing interest after a couple of weeks. I'm not going to say a few weeks. Wow. I thought you were going to say a couple of months. No, it's, be- it's before that, Jason. Well, before that, that if you had, if you, if you, if I stayed in there for a couple of months, which I did, is because now this is really sick. It was because of my greed and lust, because I don't want anybody else to have her. So if I, Wait, if I can't, her, if I can have her, if she's mine, I'll stick around. But it's right. just really, I just want to kind of like, like hoard, hoard women almost. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's what it is. That's exactly what it is. Hoarding women. And yeah, perfectly put. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've never heard of it put that way, but that's exactly what it is. It's exactly what it is. And then you yeah. have some that, when you're hoarding women, some would be on the shelf, some would be over here, some would be over there, but they're all my property. And I want to be mm-hmm. able to come back when I want to be able to come back. And I also want to be able to leave when I want to be able to leave. And then when I leave, I like the fact that she's going to chase me. She may even hit me. She mm-hmm. may even try to run me over the car. And that happened a couple of times. But those Wait, things, hold on. Somebody tried to run you over with the car? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I had well, women coming to my job with, with butcher knives. But those things, yeah. And so with my norm being dysfunction. That was normal to me, like trying to run me over, uh, coming to my job with a butcher knife, wanting money to get an abortion. I don't know if she's pregnant. Now, if I could, if you could, if I could wind, wind, you know, rewind my life back to my recruiting days from 92 to 96. Well, people don't know about recruiting. That's when you are now kind of away from the the regular naval. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. so, you now you're in the community. I'm in the community. And for three, four I, years. Four years. I'm in the community. Uh, Cleveland loves two things. Most cities love two things, athletes and military. Yep. So I got put on a pedestal for four mm-hmm. years. I didn't pay for food or alcohol. I went, I, I ate what I want. I drank what I want. And in the military back then, as long as you put people in the military, if you're a good recruiter, you get to do what you want to do. So I, I blame them for turning me to a, into a monster, but I, it was on my own doing, but yeah. I, my, my narcissism in the nineties was, at, at its apex and it was not coming down it mm. just kept going up and up and up it was just like i had people tell me my friends family said you know we need to 
put you in the hospital because there's something wrong with your life. How can it be something wrong with me? And I'm a great recruiter. I'm putting people in the Navy. I'm getting people jobs. I'm getting people benefits. And I'm ranked number one. And I'm recruited the year. What? Okay. So I, I, I got to say this because recruiting is a hard job. Very hard. And a lot right. of times, you know, working with the military, people hate. They're like, oh, I don't want to be in the recruiter because they don't want that pressure, the quotas. And you actually thrived in that. Because of my personality. It, so my personality disorder tied into me thriving, which tied into my grandiose mindset, which tied into the greed, the lust, being pretentious, people kissing my butt, winning, being awarded, being rewarded, getting promoted, helping people with get into the military, which tied into my reputation, right? Which tied mm-hmm. into getting recognition, which I was ranked number one. I was recruited here. I was untouchable. And so all of that, Jason, I did. I was very dangerous. I was very risky. I lived life on the, on the edge, even though I was working for the government. I had a government credit card. I had a government car. Yeah. I had women everywhere. It was just the best thing for me and the worst thing for me from 92 to 96. Yeah, and because I'm sure they loved you at the naval ship. They like, man, yeah. you know, you you bringing people in. Right. And they loved you. So they like, look, as long as you don't go to jail or prison, keep doing what you're doing. And that's exactly what they said. As long as you don't go to jail, prison, keep doing what you're doing. And so I'm like, oh, so being a recruiter became very easy. Mm-hmm. Right. I had five high schools that I could go to. I was uh, had a connection with the counselors, the senior counselors, the principals, the superintendents. And in Cleveland, they love the military. It's like and, and an athlete. So I would show up to a counselor's office knowing that she liked corned beef sandwiches and a pack of Newports. <laughs> right? So I'm going to show up to her school with my little bag of tricks and she's going to let me interview people all day. So I was putting the average. If you're putting five people a month in the military, that's a lot. That's hard to yeah. do because it takes a while to, to go through the process, the, the physical, the police record check, the testing. But I was putting in five people a month and they knew that I could do it quick. It's like, yeah. you know, how you have those people that are selling drugs, right? A good drug dealer. There's no such thing as a good drug. I'm just, that's not a good example, but this guy can move kilos, can move weight, right? Right. And so they're like, well, I want this dude because I can give him five kilos of cocaine. He get rid of them in three days. You, mm-hmm. It takes you three months. So let me right. get on 15 kilos. So I'm like, yeah, let me get that. Let me get that. <laughs> yep. Yep. Right? And so for every, and now this is a bad example, but for every kilo of cocaine I'm selling, I'm getting $10,000. You think I'm going to stop selling cocaine? Yeah. And I'm getting it done quick and I'm getting more. So now I got more money. I'm the man. They come to me. I got a bigger car. I got a bigger house. I got more clothes. I got more jewelry. I got more women. So in the military, I'm a, I can put people in the Navy like that. Right. And so I'm giving people jobs, giving people benefits. The family's liking me. I'm getting awarded. I'm getting rewarded. So it was like I couldn't lose. But then it started crashing fast. It crashed. Well, fast. When did you know when it started crashing? Like what happened then? When I started going to work and not wearing socks and not showering. Oh, no, no socks. One of my <laughs> fellow recruiters, he was sitting across from me and he said, man, you don't have no socks in your uniform? <laughs> and I was like, nah. But I knew before that because I was showing up. It, I had like a two years, two year uh, stretch of being highly successful as a recruiter. And then mm-hmm. I got into to the, the women and the alcohol and the sex and the porn. And then I stopped caring about recruiting. That's why you see these athletes that are going up, up, up. They get all this money, these contracts, and they 
you know, NBA MVP and then the Dunkin' Contest Championship winner, all this stuff. But then they get to a point where they just, it's like you burn out or karma hits you or God comes and gets you to humble you. Mm -hmm. So that's what happened. So I knew then I'm like, I'm starting to fall. I stopped caring about being a recruiter. I didn't want to do it anymore. I was tired because everything had burned me out. All the women, all the alcohol, all the porn I was watching at work. Mm-hmm. Um, all the lies, women telling me they're pregnant. I don't know who's pregnant, I don't know who's not. Leon, you gave me chlamydia. Oh no, you gave me chlamydia. It was a hot, I was a hot mess, Jason. And see these people in this world with all these accolades, all this money, and then they're not happy. I was very unhappy. But you had money. Yeah, I had everything. I was yeah. very successful. I had my own place, I had my own car, everything. Women that were running, I had I was meeting men, women that were like underwriters at banks that were just hey Leon, you have to apply for a credit card, I'll send you one, which is $10,000 on it, you know? Wow. It was so, everything, American Express, Visa, MasterCard, and then all name that and lust, and those the, the demonic spirit, I was, I had just been overcome with everything, you know, because I it, wasn't real. It reminds me of that saying that all good things come to an end, and they for do. you, it, it hit like, bam. Yep. So, what I want to know, because there's women listening, is there a specific type of woman that you are like, okay, you know what? I got her. Like, who is that? And then how do you go after her? So with me, whenever a man is promiscuous, at least for me, there were like maybe two things that would really turn me on about a woman. It could be her lips and her breasts. It could be her short haircut and her butt. It could be her eyes and her teeth. It could be her personality and her body scent. It didn't matter if she was black, white, Asian, Chinese. It didn't matter. Latin, it did, it did not matter, Jason. But what I was afraid of were those women that had the personality and I felt a connection to. You said you were afraid I, of that. What do you mean? I was terrified of getting close to that woman. I was terrified of letting my guard down. I was terrified of her reeling me in naturally and then me like not knowing how to be a boyfriend or a man to her because... I didn't, all I knew how to do was cheat. I knew how to lie. I knew how to deceive. I knew how to give the silent treatment. I knew how to love bomb, but I didn't know how to commit. I didn't have longevity or staying power. So I could feel myself getting closer to a woman that I was deeply attracted to. Now, some of them I was as attracted to their body parts. Mm-hmm. And so that made me think, okay, I'm going to have sex with her because I'm going to see what she's got. I'm going to see what she, she's able to do for me. Mm-hmm. But those one, those women that were... I call them granola women. They were like wholesome and natural and healthy. <laughs> In my mind, like, she's I like a granola that. girl. So I'm, I'm going to like her, but she's going to break my heart. I don't want her, but she wouldn't break my heart. I didn't tell myself that was going to happen so that I didn't get close to her. Okay. So you would kind of keep an emotional distance with oh, her. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's why they say narcissistic people are emotionally detached. One of my ex-girlfriends called me last year and she's like, Leon, you were emotionally detached. I see your videos. I broke up with her in 1992. We were together from 86 to 92. That's 30 years ago. She hit you up. (laughs) She hit me up because I damaged her emotionally. You know, Mm -hmm. she said, you were emotionally detached when you were like 21 years old. I'm like, yeah, I know. So she Mm -hmm. hit me up. But yeah, so I had to always control those emotions because it was too close to being the little boy that got his heart broken when his mother left. So it stemmed to that earlier trauma. Oh yeah, that early trauma don't it don't go away. It's there. And so mm-hmm. I never got I never got therapy as a kid to learn how to regulate and deal with that emotional trauma as a kid. So what do I do when I get older? 
I seal my heart off. I'm like, nope, I'm not gonna, I'm gonna like you. I'm gonna like the hell out of you, but I'm not gonna like you so much to where you can one day hurt my feelings and break my heart like my mother did. Mm. But my dad broke my heart too. But before therapy, I was always blaming my mother, pointing fingers at my mother. Right. It wasn't just her. Man, so, so that emotional detachment was huge for me. Yeah. So what about the women? Because I hear this a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, where they figure out they're in a, a relationship. It's not going well. They want to break it off, but somehow they just keep getting back into the relationship with this person who's unhealthy for them. Is stress and burnout taking a toll on your company's productivity and morale? Are you looking for ways to improve your employees' mental health and wellness? If so, it's time to invest in mental health support for your workplace. As a mental health expert and speaker, I provide solutions for creating a happier, healthier, and more productive workplace. This includes a range of services to help your employees cope with stress, anxiety, and other mental health challenges. I facilitate workshops and presentations designed specifically to help your employees develop resiliency, manage stress, and reduce burnout. So why wait? Make mental health and wellness a priority in your workplace today and contact us so we can support you all. All right, let's get back to the episode. How does that happen? What happens is they have an emotional chemistry connection to me Mm. and a physical connection to me. I just have a physical connection to you. Mine is not emotional. Women are emotional. So they, and so what happens is they're trying to reel Leon in. They're trying to make Leon love them. Mm -hmm. And then what happens is I come with the breadcrumb and I give them a little bit and I disappear for two days. And when I come back, Mm. I got tickets to a show. I got a, a nice, I'm, I'm going to give you a nice massage. I'm going to kiss the hell out of you. And they'd be like, well, damn, I was just mad at this month an hour ago. Right. I stop the hell out of them. Here he comes with all of that charm. Charm is not a good thing. It's not. Break that, break that down. Break that down. So the, what happens is I know what she likes about me. I know what she loves about me. Mm-hmm. She doesn't know what I love about her because I don't love her. I like the hell out of her, but I'm going to give her a little bit of what she's been yearning. and. What the women make the mistake of telling me everything that they didn't get from their last guy. And that's a problem, huh? That's a major problem because I'm taking notes because now I'm going <laughs> to become him. I'm going to become him and Leon. Like you morphing together. Uh, yeah, I'm more than one person. So she already can't handle me. Now she can't handle me. And then what the other guy didn't give her, I'm giving her me and what the other guy didn't give her. Ooh. And so women, I tell women, don't date. Don't date a Leon when you're horny because you're going to turn into a one night stand. Take your edge off before you go on a date. Don't come out opening up everything and telling what you didn't do and what you didn't, what he didn't do and how he did this and how he did that. And I'm going to become that person that you're missing. So now when I show up, I'm either, I'm either going to be Leon, who's overbearing, over the top, all touchy, right? Yeah, very yeah. promiscuous, yeah. very um, energetic, right? Spontaneous as hell. Mm-hmm. Now I can either be that Leon or I can be the Greg that you like. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you it's weird. You yeah. understand because nobody really, 5% or 6% of the population is narcissistic. And so that's why a lot of people are like, what the hell? But that became my norm to show up as two people. Mm-hmm. I had to win her over. I had to reel her in. I had to be dominant. 
because I don't want to lose like I was losing as a child. I'm not losing anymore. That ain't going to happen. Man, Leon, you giving out a lot of information and I know people are benefiting from it. What what made you because I know everybody I see the comments and sometimes people are like, you know, you shouldn't be giving away all this information and you telling the game. What made you say, you know what, I want to start to to help women heal or people in general heal? So what happened was through therapy, I was like therapy made me realize who I was, what I was doing, not just to my ex-wife, ex-girlfriend, but to my kids, too. I was damaging a lot of people. And I knew that I would hold myself back because I can give more. Right. Mm -hmm. Instead of taking and hurting, I can give more because God always had me, always watched me because I had some issues Mm -hmm. um, that some karma. And so I knew I had a lot of secrets. I knew I had a lot of answers. And I'm sitting there watching all these people. Even now, I watch the videos. I'm like, they can say more. They can do more. And it felt more liberating when I started helping people more because I was successful in the military. But that was just the military. It was giving me what I wanted, what I needed. But I wasn't being fair. And I didn't I didn't earn it like I should have because I knew I could give back to more people. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to hurt anybody no more. I was just tired of it. I was tired of being sick. People don't understand. Narcissistic people... I have nightmares, Jason. I was having bad nightmares. Bad. I mean, mm. they gave me pills for nightmares. People don't even know that. There's pills for nightmares. I was tired and I had a heart attack and, you know, my weight was up oh, and down. Man. Yeah, I didn't. I wasn't getting my teeth clean. It was just everything was coming to an end. And I saw it and I was like, this is scary. Uh, and I finally, like, humbled myself and said, you know what? I can do better. I want to help people because therapy, she made me think about the things that I didn't want to think about. She made me more confident and face Leon faced little Leon you know, when I was a child. Mm-hmm. I had to go in there for an hour a week and like talk about it. And I'm like, man, I could do better. You know, I don't have to. And so I had realized that I was living a life that the devil had given me. And Leon, I think uh, one thing you mentioned earlier in the in this episode was you were diagnosed with narcissistic personality disorder, but also PTSD. Yep, severe PTSD. Severe PTSD. So a lot of people don't know that when you're being treated for the narcissism, that's one thing. But then the trauma, the PTSD, that's a whole nother different type of regiment. Yeah. A whole different type, different symptoms. Yeah. Yeah. Different symptoms. Yeah, yes, definitely. Exactly. So it's like, I got this over here and I got this. And like I said, my therapist, she's like, I, I don't know how you survived. Yeah. I mean, you, so, you did a long yeah. time too, because that's yeah. a long time to survive. And you deployed a bunch of times too. Yeah, I deployed uh, 11 times and I knew something was wrong. I was like, one day I'm just going to fall apart. I was waiting for myself to fall apart, Jason. I knew it. I didn't know how bad it was going to be. I had no idea, but I kept, I'm like, this is, it's not going to end well. Uh, so that was so the depression. There, that, that, that right there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so yeah. all the medicine, um, grazosin, serotonin, yep. Yep. all of that, everything, you know, and I'm like popping pills and. Losing my mind. <laughs> but then I had to then delve into the porn, what makes me feel, made me feel good. Have three or four women, made me feel better. That was my Man. medication. So you you really would be on a, a, a downer from maybe the nightmares, the trauma, and then to get you back up, your vices were, were women. women. Yeah, they were women. What the women were saying to me, how they were making me feel, how they were treating me. I never had any. I'm going to be honest with you, Jason. I never had a woman really like abuse me. Mm-hmm. I had one walk away and that was years ago, but I got her back and didn't abuse her sadly. But I never had that, like the stuff that I'm doing to women, I never had a woman do it to me. So I hear these men talking about, it, I'm like, man, 
And I could talk to men too, because I was actually that woman that was doing that to them, but I was doing it to women as a man. Mm. There's no difference. The women are, but the women can be very brutal because they'll try triangulate the hell out of three or four men and yeah. look around like calling me like, Leon, I'm in love. I'm like, look, hold on, bro. Let's go. Let's go sit down and eat and talk because I need to slow you down because men, we're, we're not equipped to handle and manage our emotions when a woman is hurting us. We want to lash out. We want to kill her. Yeah. Right, right. Her. They want to stalk. I get it. And so, yeah, the women can be treacherous with this narcissist personality. So it is no joke. But you, like you said, I had the PTSD, the severe PTSD and then the depression. And I knew for a fact, I said, you know what? God is keeping me alive because with all this stuff going on, there's no way people can just survive under this type of pressure. There's well, no no way. I mean, and have the, the success you did on your career side. Mm-hmm. To walk away, you still got all your limbs. You know, no, right. thankfully nobody, you know, came at you, but they tried. They tried, yeah. But yeah. you were you were really self-medicating with, like you said, the women, the porn, yep. the alcohol. That was, a, that was enough for me. You said. So what people don't understand is that women, the porn, the alcohol, cigarettes, cigars, no weed, that was that that made me feel good. So mm-hmm. I felt okay until the next day. Okay, so I'm gonna start over with a different woman, more alcohol, different porn. It just you're always chasing a high. You're always chasing something to protect you from falling apart. Because without the women, without the alcohol, the porn, the cigarettes, cigars, I felt empty. I'm like, I don't even feel important. So what do I do? Commit suicide, and I didn't want to do that. Yeah. So what have you done? And thankfully that that was never an option for you. But what have you done to pour into yourself now and not use the women and the alcohol and the porn, what do you do now? So what happened first, I had to say, I'm going to tell you something, Jason. I didn't have any fears. Mm-hmm. I had a lot yeah, of it, it sounded like you were just going. Going. I had a lot of heart, a lot of nerve. Leon, some nerve you have. I'm like, yeah, you're right. I was very like off-putting, mm-hmm. sarcastic. And so I'm like, how do I do these things? I'm not afraid of getting caught cheating. I'm not afraid to get caught in a lie. I'm like, okay, whatever. You want to argue? Well, I don't need to, I don't want to talk to you no more. Leon. Okay, I'm going to go find somebody that's going to talk to me. I can do that in 30 minutes. Yeah, I could. But now the fact that I don't have the heart, nerve, or courage to do those things, Jason, it's like, how I think about the things that I've done. So you're talking over 30 plus years of what I was doing. I'm like, how the hell did I do it? How did she let me get away with it? But now I don't have the heart, nerve, or courage to do it anymore. And it feels good to mm-hmm. not like have that demonic presence. Because when I had that demonic presence, it was like, I'm all about this, right? Because I don't want to hear anybody. I don't want to hear nothing about church. Don't talk about God. Don't. Even, I tell women, the hell, don't be praying for me. The, you know, I yeah. I'm like, don't. Yeah, I said, well, then I'm gonna pray for you. I'm like, don't, don't. What? Pray for your, you know. The, it was bad, Jason. So now it's like I'm more at peace, like because I know what peace is. Because for so long, my norm was not having peace. Mm-hmm. My norm was abnormal. Everything abnormal. All the drama. All the sirens, the the fighting, the yelling, the dysfunction. My ex-wife used to say, everywhere we transfer, you got to find, you just got to find the danger areas, right? <laughs> I'm like, so what? What's wrong with that? <laughs> and in the Navy, when we deploy, they say, hey, when we pull into a bar, say we pull into Africa, they'll go, yeah. don't go over here, don't go over here, because, you know, you get robbed over here, you get over here. I'm like... I'm not going to take no damn tour. I don't want a tour. I want to go over here with the prostitutes. So you would go wherever they said don't go. Exactly. I did the opposite of what, yeah. And then <laughs> people got, I've seen people get beat up. I've seen people get stumped that was with me, get mm. the teeth knocked out. People, I've seen people get the next throats cut 
going, they were the same people like me. Yeah. Probably narcissists just weren't diagnosed, but we were all addicted to that drama and that trauma. Just like being in a relationship, we are addicted to the drama and the trauma because that's our norm. And the women are like, well, Leon, you know, you're a professional. I'm like, I'm not a professional, but you're in the military. I'm like, ah, yeah, whatever. I don't know. Let's talk in the bedroom, you know? Yeah. Like, let's go drink <laughs> and let's go watch. It was just the same thing. So I was addicted to danger. So now, and I heard you mention spirituality. So now it sounds like God is important to you in your life now. Very. So I always knew, this, this is a thing, Jason. I used God because I always knew God was with me. I would mm. feel a presence. I saw certain things as a kid. I saw things as an adult in the military. I was always like protected, removed mm. from danger, although I was in danger because I've been all over the world. I saw a lot of things in Israel. I saw a lot of things in the motherland and Africa. I saw I saw spiritual things and people were always like praying for me or giving me Bibles and man, you got this. Oh man, I see this, man. I see your aura, man. You got, I'm like, you have no idea, bro. I just cheated on my wife. You know, you talking all this stuff. I'm like, you really? You see that in me? Yeah, man. I'm <laughs> like, like you. Yeah. you have no idea, brother, for real. And hey, I would say that to myself, but people kept people kept pouring into me. Everywhere I went, I'm like, why? why? Why me? You know, I'm like, I'm this bad person. I'm this rotten person. But I'll always have somebody like put the hand on me like, I'm going to pray for you, though. Come here, Leah. Let me talk to you. Hey, man. You know, <laughs> like, so. But yeah, spirituality, spiritual wise, I was always close to God. Mm-hmm. So, Leah, what would you say to let's talk to the women first, to the woman who's in this relationship. She's now she's got a child by this man and she knows they've been on this, you know, roller coaster and is is not looking promising but she doesn't know how to leave or or even like how to make it work if they do stay in a relationship what would you say to her that she's dying on the inside every day so women don't and they feel it jason their menstrual cycle is off Mm -hmm. their blood sugar level is off they they develop diabetes the eyesight Mm -hmm. is gone they're losing their hair they're gaining weight they have toothaches the kids are crying mommy's not happy mommy doesn't wear makeup anymore but they have to realize that hold on hold on leon first i just gotta say man you broke that all the way down because it's like i feel like you've been in some of the sessions with me when you broke down what they're going through because you've seen it i i've seen it and i've caused it Hmm. i've a woman i was dating i would look at her and when times were bad she had a dark circle under her right eye and then when i was acting right it would go away I knew that was because of me. Yeah. Oh, man. Jason, I'm telling you. So these women have to realize that this guy that they're dealing with, whether he's diagnosed, let's say, let's say he's, let's say he's undiagnosed. Right. Most people, yeah. Right. 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 He just don't want to sit with a therapist for one hour a week, for a year, whatever. Mm -hmm. He's not going to get better because he knows she's not going anywhere. He knows that he can cheat on her, get caught, break her heart. She's not going anywhere. Because women hold on to time, they hold on to memories, they hold mm-hmm. on to family. Narcissistic people don't care about family. That's not enough to keep them around. It's not. If a woman can say, a woman, I've, I've been told this, Leon, you know, if you don't get it together, you know, we're going to, you know, we're going to leave you. I guess I won't be getting it together. Because now you force me to say something nasty. So I have a very, it's inherent for me to say something nasty to come back and hurt you because you try to hurt me. It's inherent. So sadly, Family is not enough to make a person turn around and act right. Because you know I'm cheating. You know I'm flirting with your girlfriend. You know I've tried to sleep with the neighbor. 
But every time I come home, you're like, hey, baby, how you doing? You hungry? You still wash my clothes. You fold them. You take care of the kids. I'm paying the bills. I'm providing and protecting. I'm going to do what the hell I want to do. And so women like, okay, they they become who their mother was to their father a lot of times. Okay, man. Well, one, I hope y'all listening because Leon just gave y'all some really good information. I know this is not a therapy session, but really take notes because I know so many women who are going through that and can benefit. So let's flip it to the brothers. There's a, a guy out here listening. He's been in a relationship. He's not talking about it because he's he's ashamed because he's been hurt. His life is not where it should be or where he thinks it should be because of this relationship. And he's not sure where to go next. What would you say to him? Leave her alone. It's a Jezebel spirit. I mean, they can read that, read up on that. They can understand. Also, she's going to continue to misuse and abuse you, my brother. You'll never be number one in her life. For instance, I use her as an example compared to me. Mm-hmm. That woman will never be number one because she's going to be two, three, or four. I'm number one. He'll never be number one in her life. She's going to triangulate him. She's going to use him. She's going to abuse him. She sees him as weak. She's weak. But the thing about it is, He's attracted to her probably sexually. Narcissistic women and men, but the women are very seductive. I know three to this day, undiagnosed, they are just like me. And I've dealt with them. I've slept with them. I've dated them. But I was more powerful and stronger than they were. I had to be. And I talked to one of them not too long ago. And she laughed about some of the things she do to these guys. I said, you need to stop. And so I started explaining to her. She said, Leon, I'm watching your videos and I'm just like you. I'm like, you've been just like me since we were 14. We just didn't, I, we didn't understand it until we got older. She's a nice looking woman, has a great job, a great body, all of that. But those women, I have the power, the power and the ability to not deal with them, to push them away. Because I know, I know what's gonna happen. Yeah. They're gonna break your, they're gonna go inside your chest, pull your heart out, smash it. And mm-hmm. then come back, give you your heart back in nice little pieces and put it together. Here, Leon, I'm sorry. And you're going to take them right back. They're going to yeah. start over. So they they are, they're very demonic. I tell my brothers, look, you can't, leave, let her go, bro. Leave them alone. Like I tell, I used to tell women, look, I'm no good. So don't, don't like me. I'm telling you, I'm no good. They were like me. And I'm like, okay, okay. So when I hurt your feelings, I already told you six months ago what I'm going to do, what I'm about. Yeah, you're right. And I would just keep doing that. The women are the same way. What and about... What about when they say they're getting help? A lot of times they're lying. They'll sit down. <laughs> yeah, because they'll say that because he'll say, well, baby, if you just get a little help, you know, we can make this happen. And she'll she'll go, well, you know, I talked to the first lady and I went to church. And then right after that, guess what? She won a pair of Jimmy Choo boots or a Louis Vuitton purse. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yep, you're right. you're right. And he'll get it. He'll get it because it's like, Wow, we're at the mall together. We're holding hands. And she will cross another guy that she's sleeping with. And, and he, he ain't going to say nothing because he want her just as bad as he want her to leave him with the other guy. So mm-hmm. he ain't going to say nothing. I've seen it happen. These women were just like me, you know, because when you are, when you, in, you really love, I'm talking to some men now that really love these women deeply. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, look, dog, I'll never tell you to leave her or get a divorce. Y'all got kids together. But I'm telling you, she is a Leon, my brother. And when I say that, they'll go, oh, because for the whole time, they're like trying to figure out what she's doing. That's like, did you watch my videos? Yeah, man, my swat cards, bro. Your videos made me think about my ex. Well, you're dating a female Leon. Just listen to the videos and watch it, and you'll be able to counter what she's doing. But then again, what you have to do is worry about your emotional attachment to her. Mm-hmm. You got to fix that because 
When she's not with you, she's with somebody else. Whether it's a guy or a woman, she's with somebody else. That's yeah. it. They have a, it's, it's powerful, but the men, I would tell them, just look, like the women that like you. Those are, Ooh. in most cases, we don't do that. Man, that's a whole, that's a whole podcast in itself because if if y'all heard what he said he said like the woman who likes you meaning go after not just what you feel like you can't get but go after the person who's vibing with you who's who's attracted to you who's showing you attention who's showing you love and affection yeah that's the one she go for because those are the ones we run away from and they chase us but we chasing the ones that's running away from us i don't but these men i'm talking to yeah, I feel like that's the same thing for women. Women going for the guys who are not really into them. They're going for that. You know, they say nice guys finish last, or they they are they boring. You know, women say guys are boring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's why. I, even now, Jason, I had women say, "Leanne, I saw your video and you activated my kinky side." And so years ago, I'd have been like, "What's up? Slap me your number," you know. Yeah, right. But I don't. I'm not going down that that road, Jason. You know, and so. They like the edgy guys, the guys that are adventurous, spontaneous. They like the hell raisers. The guys mm-hmm. like, Shoes. who the hell you think it's, you know, instead of those guys, okay, babe, let's go. No, nah, they don't want that. They don't. It's getting worse. Yeah. It's getting worse. Yeah. Yeah. And so the, the good guys finish last, the nice guys finish last, the healthy guys that won't cheat on you, that won't hit you, that won't call you, they won't put you down. They don't want that. They want a Leon. Mm-hmm. They're attracted to a Leon. It's like, oh my God, you know. I seen a video of a lady talking about that the other night. I got I met this guy. He's just like the perfect gentleman. I know that I'll be a he'll be a great wife for me. I would never have to work. But I'm attracted to this guy because he's a player. I just see it all the things. Yeah. They, they yep. and it's been like that for a very long time. And so I tell women the only reason why I was able to do what I was able to do is because you allowed it. You gave me that power. You kept coming back. Man, I hope y'all listening up. Leon gave y'all a lot of gems, man. I, I wanna as we kind of wrap the episode tell people about your new book okay so it's called the seven loveless traits it comes out march 14th most people have heard about the book called the five love languages Mm -hmm. so i had that book for two years before i read it and then immediately jason that's why i knew god is with me all the time i heard a voice that said what about the loveless languages i was like and i just started writing so i wrote the book in 30 days but i worked on it for another year and a half but it's called the seven loveless traits. I don't want to call it the seven loveless languages because that would have been too close to his right, book. Right. So I'll right. call it the seven loveless traits. Example, if your love language is acts of service and me being narcissistic, my loveless language is acts of disservice. Mm-hmm. It's the opposite of the love languages. And a lot of women get it, become addicted to that because it makes them want me more. Like if your love language is um, physical touch, you want to be held, you want to be cuddled, mm-hmm. you want to hold hands, you want eye contact. Oh, no. Only time I'm going to touch you is in the bedroom. After that, I'm going to ignore you. So the physical touch is going to be what I want, what I want to touch, when I want to touch. Other than that, leave it alone. Another one, your 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 love language might be communication. Mine is a lack of communication, mm-hmm. bad communication, no communication, the silent treatment. So I came up with that through God, the seven loveless traits. And it's 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 uh, pre-sales are now on Amazon, Barnes and Noble and Book Baby. But it's it'll be released March 14th in a few days. Man, and we're gonna do uh make sure y'all follow on Leon and follow me because we're gonna do some giveaways on that on IG Live. Uh before we get to the last giveaway, I want to say this, Leon. Like one, I, I thank you for just being so open and honest and sharing your story because this level of vulnerability 
I mean, you you know, you opening up yourself to criticism, feedback, mm-hmm. all of that, but you're helping so many people. Yeah. Is there anything that I didn't ask you that you want people to know? You did a great job, Jason. You always do. I would say tell the women to we always talk about red flags. Well, nobody talks about looking for the white flags and the people that you like. Uh, for me, I had a lot of red flags. And then my ex-wife, my ex-girlfriend, she's always home in on, you know, red flags. Leon, you, you're, you know, you're arrogant, you're mean, you're demonic, you know, you ain't this and you ain't that, you're a snake. But think about the white flags that people are waving. The, what, what have I surrendered? Mm. I surrender, you know, being verbally abusive. I surrender cheating. You know, I surrender the silent treatment. I'm not, I talk to you now. So look at the red flags in these men and women and just start to build from that. Mm. Because me, I've been told red flags all my life, whether it was as a kid, in my relationship, in my marriage, red flags. You got all these red flags. Think about some of the things I'm doing good and let's build on that, you know? So so start looking at a different foundation and building on another foundation instead of something that's considered a red flag all the time. Yeah, I love that. I love that. So the the last uh, giveaway, which is super dope, Leon is going to pay for someone to have a, a session with me. So the way this works, when you're looking at this video, comment, and I'm going to do a, a raffle on the people who are commenting, and I'll pull the raffle, you know, the, the winner, and then Leon's going to sponsor that session. So you can comment the word. What, what should the word be, Leon? Self-love. I, I was thinking something like that. Yeah. So comment the word self-love and I'll do a drawing on it. And then Leon will sponsor your uh, your first session with me. I got you, man. Leon, as always, this is this is great, man. I, I just know, like I said, the last episode, it impacted so many people. I learned some things. And I think anybody who's listening, not just for the healing that you're doing with people now, but just for the information to hear from somebody who's was reluctant to go to therapy. Yeah. I but now like, did. Yeah. you Go ahead. I went in there, Jason, and I walked out. One lady that went in there, I stand in her breast. She was a psychotherapist. Graduated. I looked at her awards on her wall from UCLA and all this other school and all these other schools. And I was attracted to her. So that didn't help. Yeah. She, <laughs> like, she looked at me. She's like, you, you're not even paying attention. I was like, <laughs> I was a hot mess in my head. Man, I didn't I, help. Bad, bro. I was a hot mess and I was a senior leader in the Navy. Right. I was making $120,000 a year. I'm like, can't nobody tell me nothing. Uh, nothing. So when you did get the help, this last thing, that therapist, you did not have a, a, a physical attraction to. Ex- See, I'm glad you said that. Exactly. She was like four foot eleven. She weighed like 110 pounds and she wore all black. Her hair was like... <laughs> hanging in her face and she scared the hell out of me. So I'm sitting in front of her like, I don't want to be here. Get me the hell out of here, little lady. She's like, yeah. no, you sit right there, Miss Walker. I'm not going to hurt you. And when she said that, I was like, oh, oh, you're not. So I used to think all these women were going to hurt me because I was hurting women. I'm like, somebody right. get me. Uh... get me. And she said, I'm not going to hurt you. I'll see it all over your face. But she was sitting there rocking. <laughs> it was like, I'm waiting for her to like get up and like hobble me. And that was that yeah. movie, um, when she hobbled that that author um misery. Yeah, yeah. Rocking her chair. <laughs> and I'm like, look, I'm trying to get the hell out of here, lady. You know, you took a little too close because you know, you don't have those between us. There's no barriers, like ain't nothing to block us. Yeah. I'm, like, I'm like, I don't want this. I'm saying, can you put a desk in between us? <laughs> but she was small, she was short, she had a little black hair hanging up, she had a little black little shoes with little gold church buckles on her shoes. And so 
I wasn't tight to it, so I was able to. Yeah. Right? And so, yeah. But the other you, one. Yeah, you make it sound like somebody off of uh, the Adams family. That's what makes me think. What it was. I'm sitting there like, you know, would you stop rocking your chair? Did you have me rocking? I'm leaning and dodging and stuff. I was, yeah. So, but then I started, I got real comfortable with her. But I was scared of her, Jason. Every time I go in, she had on black. I'm like, psychological? What the hell are you doing? You yeah. Know? But it was some Adams family type stuff. <laughs> <laughs> man, Leon, well, I cannot wait till we do our uh, our next one, man, over on social media. But thank you again, brother, for everybody listening in. Make sure you like, share, subscribe. I'm going to put all of Leon's information in the show notes so you can follow him. And you definitely want to read his books. So thank you, brother. And y'all uh, have a blessed one. All right. Thanks, Jason. Thank you all for listening to another episode of the Peace and Prosperity Podcast. Again, if you are feeling like, hey, I'm experiencing high-functioning anxiety, don't beat yourself up about it. It is okay. We all experience anxiety from time to time. And I gave you a couple of things that you can do on your own, but don't hesitate to reach out to a professional to better manage what you're going through. Okay. And lastly, make sure if you have not like, share, subscribe to the podcast and send this out to a friend. And if you want to hear certain episodes or have certain conversations, let me know. You can shoot me a DM or just leave a review and I will definitely follow up. All right, y'all be blessed. Peace.